Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Snipers Hide, and we're here with Chris Way again. We got a live going on on the Sniper's Hide website, and I'm recording the podcast for everybody. I think we got a pretty good show for you, and you'll be able to go to the Sniper's Hide website, go into the Hide TV if you have a supporter account, and you can watch this video after. So if you don't want to listen to it a second time, you can actually watch it the second time if there's anything that we're talking about. That sounds kind of cool. But um, hey, Chris, what's up? What's happening? So uh, here we are. We're in our. We'll check it out. Make sure we're in our live. Yeah, we're we're there, man. Yeah, we're, there's a little delay, but but um, if you're listening to this live, make sure you guys send some messages through the Snipers Hide chat feature so we could uh, make sure that that's going yeah the the there is definitely the chat box on the side everybody's like where's the shout box we want the shout box back and there is one in the live there is a chat box slash shout box um and you can interact with us while we're talking in live so um otherwise man it's freaking snowed again Right? It's like, well, I got things to do to the range. It's like, we're all ready to go. I got these programs all happening. And yesterday, last night, night before, whatever you want to call it, it like we woke up to snow. So I woke up to like two, three inches on the ground. It's 30 degrees out. And it's like, when are we getting spring, man? We're going to go right from winter into summer is what's going to happen. So, um, you know, we definitely would have more to talk about if the uh, weather wasn't like being such a freaking jerk with us. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what's going on. And like I said, the chat is open for those who jump in on the live. Let me look in the app real quick, make sure our, our indicator is working. Um, and we're going to the community. Oh, no, it's actually not showing up that we're, we're loading. There it is. Now it shows it's live. Yeah, it's in there, and we can load it, and we're ready to go. So the live is up and running. So what we're talking about, is we came up with a question came up in the sniper side forum and what they're asking us about is standards right so they want us to talk about you know what should they be doing what kind of standards do they have and i actually uh this person had a unique problem their range only goes to 600 yards Okay, so I address this. I, I, I told Chris in looking at these guys on Sniper's Hide, I have a qual, for lack of a better word, or a standard, that's 100, 300, 600 yards. And it's spelled out that it's three-shot prone. And it basically, it incorporates a craft drill into the target at 100, into the target at 300, and then on a plate, at 600 and it's a drill you can work to basically see how you are and and we were talking standards like martial arts and you can jump in and kind of go how we were playing the idea of standards to the belt system within the martial arts Mm -hmm. you know so it's like people are looking for a way to measure themselves and generally speaking you know, over the last couple of years, anytime you want to measure yourself, 
You tell somebody to go to a match. Go to a match and see where you stand. But, there, you know, I was telling Chris, there's a lot of people out there that are following everything we're doing on the training side but won't go anywhere near a competition. So they still want to um, have a standard that they can compare themselves to, a metric to look at, and that's one of the things that we're talking about here is how do you measure yourself against others, especially if you're not a comp guy, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And another question came up, one of the last chats that we had about developmental curve, and then that's kind of where we met in the middle with the idea of a, a, a standard or, or, you know, we, I mentioned the, the belt system, not, not because I think we should have belts, but this idea of progression as you develop and making sure that, that you have the skills to really fill in the level that you're at. Right. So, you, you know, there, there's, there's standards that you need to fill in before you move to the next one. And if you don't fill in those standards, then you stay there and work on them until you have satisfied those. And, and, I know that that in different disciplines, in different jobs, and in different areas of shooting, there may be pockets of people that have their own standards, but there really aren't universal standards. And and because of that, it's fun to talk about. We could say, look, you know, this is what we see. This is how people perform. And here's a general and contextual kind of set of things that people should be able to do before progressing and certainly people some people just jump right into competition and they do pretty well but a lot of times those people if you change details small details their performance has wild swings up and down and so if we reassess and and look at things in terms of standards to fill in before you move forward i think that not only gives people things to explore at the level that they're at but also backfill things that they may have missed on the on the way towards whatever uh, their particular outlet is. And I, I think that's interesting. And I think it's, it's helpful for anybody because there are so many more shooters that don't really do any specific thing, but they also want to know where they stand or where they might compare. And, and putting those down is fun. Well, and you brought up a, a, a kind of an interesting point where you were saying how talking to people who engage in martial arts and different things like that, they found they weren't really that, I don't know the right word for it, but they weren't really that correct student until after they got their black belt. Mm -hmm. And so you were kind of saying with me, sort of like sniper school was your black belt program. You do that. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're more prepared to where you need to go and what to look at where when you're moving up through the belt system, for lack of a better term, when you're moving up through the belt system... You're, you're kind of experimenting, you're struggling, you're, you're, you're looking for that light bulb in the dark, I guess, is a way to go, the pull string, right? So there's a pull string in the dark, and when you move up to that next belt system, you're moving around in the dark looking for the string until you can find the light to turn it on to get you to the next place. And, and that's where it's like, well... What if you don't know you're looking for a pull string? Right. You're looking for, and instead you're looking for a wall switch. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what happens with what we do with shooting. One, people mimic what they see, right? So I see a picture, 
I see somebody doing something, I'm going to mimic that. And that's kind of, but in a still image, you have very limited context. In a video, you have better context. So it's like, where is the student going to find out what's happening? I guess, or, or, um, or what they need to know, I guess, is, is that thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to go, it's coming up live, man. I want to see if there's any chats in there. Yeah. So, oh yeah, there it is. So I think like, you know, what, what, what really starts to develop when we were talking about this before we, we turned the computer on, it's really interesting because you kind of fall into rabbit holes of where do you start? How do you build that base? And, and let, let's say somebody has a specific outlet and they, they never really ran into these other issues yet. That doesn't mean that they won't run into those issues. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of hunters that I meet, when they're hiking in with their packs, the rifles are in their pack. And, and so being able to deploy them and engage something with them in a short period of time is not really going to happen. There are hunters that have quick deploy or, or whatever, but... but if their mindset is, you know, we're just going to hike in for a long time and then we're going to strip down and then we're going to start hunting. Um, they may not have thought about the idea of loadout and quick deployment because it's not in their kind of scope. Whereas a competitor that's used to just dropping a rifle in a bag probably isn't thinking about if we have to go in six miles to hunt, how are they going to carry it all back there in order to do the, the system chop and and so filling in those voids of well a you know elementary set of criteria for carrying the gear that you need deploying the gear in a reasonable amount of time accuracy standards equipment maintenance you know a sent a general list of essentials that you start with and then you start to build up from there it's always going to have more than any particular discipline, but it's going to allow you to backfill things that could come up or, or you know, and the, and the basic ones, they're going to come up more often than not. As you get more advanced, they're going to happen less often, but you're going to be much more detailed and specific about the particulars that, that you might, you might need to deal with, right? If we're hunting deer at a hundred yards, parallax adjustments between different scopes is probably less of a concern than for a precision rifle shooter that's shooting a, a one MOA target at 800 yards or, 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 or alternating between two and 400 yards, they're going to need to be able to fine tune those things because you've got more margin of error for some things at closer ranges. But, but, um, but understanding certain things at the beginning and maintaining that, right? Safety, handling, mm-hmm. basic ballistics, understanding zeros, and then building up from there a list of things that are universally acceptable as you go towards that kind of black belt level. After which, right, that's where your kind of true training and education technically probably starts as a mass, like on your way to mastery. But, but getting to that point, I think there's a lot more people that aren't quite sure yeah, no, for and and that what? was came up at shot too is talking to manufacturers and talking it's the most basic of things they're finding the problems with. So I asked the manufacturers, I talked to them, I'm like, 
you know, how can Sniper's Hide help them? How do we work within this this environment of precision rifle in the world? And how Sniper's Hide can help in talking to these guys' customer service. And that sounds like vague, but what it is is how to set the ocular on a scope. You know, how to do these little things many of us are taking for granted but there's a whole group of people out there. Uh, this comes like, it, 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 you know, I use on the side, like I'm a Twitter guy on the side now. I don't know why I just bounced in because it's quick. It's like my, my butterfly or hummingbird brain can't, can keep up with Twitter because I don't want to invest too much time in it. And what I notice is you get a lot of people like the David Hogg fucking anti-gun kid, you know, Harvard dude. He posted a thing of him this weekend shooting a shotgun. And he went, look, everybody, I am not anti-gun like they tell you. I just shot a double barrel shotgun. And it's like, dude, give me a fucking break. Okay, that's not competence that you picked up a double barrel shotgun and you you uh, shot it. Like I go to people all the time is supercars. Guy buys a supercar. He has the means and the money. He buys a Dodge Viper or something, right? And then the next thing you know, he gets on the highway, he kicks it in the ass, it fucking spins, and he smashes it. It's the first time he jumped on it, and he's already smashed it up. Now, you could say he owns the car, but he's not competent with it. He doesn't know the first thing about it, and he's going to smash it just like he did really quick. If you Google, like, Lamborghinis, especially, like, in China... There's a ton of pictures of people smashing them outside the dealership. So they buy it, they call ass leaving, and they smash it. So gun industry is the same way. We can buy something, we can own it, but does that really establish a competence? And so where do we have to go in order to be start to become not only familiar but competent with our equipment. Yeah. So we want to we want to go beyond ownership. And and that's kind of where I I think we are with the website, with the app, with the videos, with the classes, with the training, all that stuff that we're doing, we're trying to create marksmen. We're trying to create a practical marksman where it's you're you're beyond the owner. You're now competent with your equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, we might be kind of preaching to the to the choir with listeners of this podcast because, like most, I would guess that majority of listeners, or you know, the in terms of gun owners, like probably the top one percent of 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 people that understand ballistics. And right, if you go to a competition, basically everybody there is the upper end of of gun owners. So, so. But that's helpful to be able to say because when you look on social media like Facebook, it's not uncommon for somebody that gets excited, they get a little bit of competency, they come in and then they start asking questions and then people start attacking them like, well, those are all noob questions. Like, man, it's not. That person actually probably is more informed just to get them there. And then, but if you go to Green Mill on the hunter's, hunter's mm-hmm. safe, the hunter site and you know, they open it up to the public and the hunters come in. So those these are people that... that you know, have a hunter license. So they passed hunter safety and they're going to go hunting. And every single day, every single day, somebody comes, there's a Cabela's just down the street 
Somebody shows up with their rifle still in the box, mm-hmm. the scope still in the box, two boxes of ammo, and and um, you know they want you to help them put it together, get a zero, and send them out the door. Like, what is the bare minimum I need to go hunting? And in, in, in that's an incredibly difficult position to be in, I think, because you go shit. They want to go. They yeah, want to go yeah, hunting yeah. with this thing, and yeah. they own it. Yeah, yeah. And they have every right to. But it's a little scary, mm-hmm. and and so um, I think that's what we're talking about. Those are people that have every right to do what they're going to do, but but you need to be able to say, look, here's some boxes that you should probably check before you go hunting, and if you can, come back here a couple times, and we can work on skills to guarantee that you're going to be able to hit. What and, and a lot of times they have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean I'm not going to hit a deer? Like, I guess somebody told me, you know, you just aim here and. It'll be good to go, and you think, "Wow, okay, um, let's do a little test." You know, let's we'll, we'll we'll try to simulate that on these targets after we get it zeroed. But but those things I think are really cool because then we can make a checklist of basic competencies, and then ladder them out from that point yeah. towards towards a goal, but not just be that shooter that has everything. Well, even just back to the like the whole Twitter world uh, is there's got a bunch of hand like handgun Twitter's huge, right? So you look at the the guys that are doing the handgun matches. Those handgun matches have that standard, right? They they go and they shoot their standard that tells them where they're gonna be. And and I see this one guy because he he likes to document his journey. He's not a whiz bang guy. He's not John Wick. And so, but you see him and he's like, oh, I dropped a point on my standard. Um. Uh, hang on. Uh, uh, it, it's just it, it. It's like we don't have a like the skill stage. Like we don't have something that says where you belong within the field. It's open, right? So everybody shows up, and it's kind of looked at as like you're all equal. But we completely know you're not all equal. And what we really should be doing is that sort of ABC division and looking at people and saying, you're an A guy, you're a B guy, and you're a C guy, and following that handgun model a little bit more because it informs you. It's not just a like an arbitrary uh, name or classification. It's an actual classification. Right, so you're an A division guy. You're a B guy. You're gonna go over here, and if you do better, then you can move out of that. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's we need a way to rate everybody and have a classification that way, rather than all just saying I shot three matches. I did well, but I didn't shoot five. If I shot five, my rating would be better. But I shot three, which is the minimum. So what's the standard if I shot three, right? And and I score a 18th, a 28th, and an eighth. You know what I mean? So where's my average? Well, I'm a 12th average or a 16th place average guy. Okay, that I can work with. That tells me where I should be staying, maintaining, and looking at it. And so that becomes the um, the question that I think Precision Rifle World is missing. We don't have a, you showed up with a standard on your sleeve. 
I guess, is a way of putting it. I mean, even the military, right? Expert sharpshooter marksman. We know where you're going to go, and the goal would be to beat your previous score. But you know where you stand. And in the precision rifle competition shooting world, we don't have a goal or we don't tell people where we stand. Now, you can go at the end of the year and say, last year, I paid the I paid the series. They, they monitored my score. I came in 33rd out of 500 people. Okay, that's good to know. But you needed last year to know, and that may have changed this year. Mm-hmm. You but know? that also, like, you know, we're our, that, that already assumes, like, those are good shooters to begin with. So that's teasing out details of shooters that technically are, are actually all probably really good to begin with. But what precedes that, I think, has a lot of room to grow. And that's all the people that are coming up and saying, you know, it, it, I guess, like, I, what I just visualized when you were talking was, like, an elevator. And... You know, let's say PRS is on the tenth floor of of this building. There, you know, those those rankings are hashing out rooms down a hallway on the tenth floor. But how does somebody know when to get off on the third floor on their way to the tenth floor? And then, what are the things that they need to do in the hallways of of those floors that'll fill in their knowledge base to allow them to effectively go up to that next level? I think that's interesting because, you know, we a lot of people just have to basically jump to the 10th floor and then, you know, figure it the fuck out when they get there. And that caused a lot of problems. And I think that that caused a lot of people just to leave uh, because they realize that the, there's a huge gap and it might not be the outlet for them. And, and, and it's really interesting to be able to fill in all of the things on the way up. So the, from the bottom floor, how do you fill it in on your way to the 10th floor that then, you know, has some things. If the pistol people have it really well developed at the competition level, but they have like 30 floors. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about like, you know, the grandmaster qualifications on the 30th floor are really nitpicky. But think about somebody on the first floor that's at the gun shop. Well, I think we can do it with three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we can get away with three. That sort of, you know, expert sharpshooter marksman model I don't think we need 30. Mm-hmm. I think we can get away with three. And if you think about it, if you visually created that, like, you know, the, the, the B people are all wearing blue hats, the A people are wearing red hats, and the C people are wearing tan hats of something like that or a tag. If an RO comes up and here's a guy struggling and he's wearing a tan hat, you're like, okay, dude, let's help you. But if you get a red guy come up and now he's being punky with you and you're like, who are you, dude? Well, wait a minute. You're a red hat. Get the fuck out of here, man. You know what you're doing. And, and no, you don't get an alibi on that. But everybody gets to kind of play this. Who am I? Why am I? What am I? Let me redo that because it didn't go the way I wanted to. And we're like, okay, that's fine. But if we had a system that said... You're an expert, you're a sharpshooter, you're a marksman. You know, you might go, okay, you're the marksman. Yeah, we're going to let you get away with that. Experts, fuck no. Sharpshooter, it's a coin toss. Uh, You're a nice guy. You came up to me polite. Yeah, I'm going to let you do it over. You know, no, you're a dick. You told me what I was going to tell you, let you do. And and nah, you ain't going. You know what I mean? But it then creates a visual way like a belt system in 
martial arts. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. I want to fight that guy. Well, why do you want to fight that guy? Well, because he's a yellow belt. And I'm a fucking brown belt. (laughs) You know, I don't want to fight that other guy who's a purple belt. You know, because he might be pretty close to me. But I want that belt, you know. And, and, but, yeah, it just, it's weird, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's there's so many cool things that surround it that I think are fun to, to be able to. Like, so, I'm thinking back to when I jumped into shooting competitions. Like, I, I could shoot targets good, right? I thought I was a good shooter, but I wasn't a good competitor. I didn't know enough. You know, it's one of those, like, okay, you're good enough to go to competitions. Everything goes great. You could score well, but you're not like a lot of these other shooters. And and, and let me explain what I mean by this. I went to a competition, um, and and the rifle, the build that I was using was a Lone Peak action, and, and like a, a Bartlein barrel or a proof barrel, whatever. But the point is I was using a lone peak action and I had the technique of really running the bolt hard. Some people shoot with running the bolt. Tony Burks hard, used right? to rip them off. Boom. And so <laughs> at some point in the competition, the, the pins um, for the bolt stop had come out and my bolt stop fell out. And I, I was dead in the water. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't shoot. All of a sudden, you know, basically my day was done. Brian Black was there, one of the owners of Lone Peak. And in his truck, he had a huge kit with all of the parts that you would need to rebuild an entire rifle, including the pins and bolt stop for one of their actions. And he simply went over to his truck, got the parts, came back, fixed my rifle, and I kept competing. That demonstrates to me that, you know, he was on the, you know, 10th floor and I was on the third floor. I didn't have the equipment to maintain my gear in the field at a reasonable level and I was dependent on somebody else. And so learning that and preparing and having that was, it's like a standard that I didn't meet, but I tried to jump ahead. And when you try to jump past standards that you should have satisfied before, they often come out of the woodwork and bite you. Now that doesn't mean... You you know, I don't think it's all the time, but but I felt that right. I felt the difference between his knowledge and experience and my lack of knowledge and experience when it came to that. And I realized, wow, there's a lot to fill in here. It's not mm-hmm. just can you do this stage and hit all the targets, because at that point you're saying, okay, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. But I'm vulnerable because if anything goes wrong, I'm gonna screw it up and a good shooter has covered those contingencies already. And and so those are things that should have been backfilled by me. And 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 as that grew and and, and my shooting progressed and, and all that, like, you know, there there's there's always times where I go, shit, shit, we go to the range and, and I'll be like, oh my God, what the hell? And you'll be like, no, 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 this is it. And it's like, okay, cool. That demonstrates that experience and knowledge, there's gaps and areas to fill for me and and that those are standards that we could fill in yeah. and hash out. Like I, but at what point should a shooter be capable of cleaning their rifle on their own? Understanding how to do that. Or or if they're if their zeros off, re-zero. How, do they, how do they re-zero? Right. That uh, that and it's like the re-zero is crazy huge. You would not believe how many people don't quite understand the zero process and the turrets and all that. That's one to get the bullet into the middle. 
And and we li- I literally write it. Like everybody, we walk down, right? So we do when it comes time to zero, shoot a group, stop, stand up, get off your gun, leave it alone, walk down, and then I write Chris up point two, left point three, and I write it right next to their page. Mm-hmm. They're shot, you know? And then we go down and we tell everybody to do it. There's gonna be a third who went backwards, mm-hmm. right? I went the wrong way. Okay, cool. Then you say, who doesn't know how to slip their scales, reset their turrets to zero, zero? We get a ton of people come to class. Their turrets are on a weird number. I have it in my checklist. Turrets, reset, dope, whatever. Because you'll go to somebody, what is that? That's my 100-yard zero. What does that mean? Well, I didn't slip it because I figured I was coming here. Okay, but they didn't know how. And then when it comes time to slip it, they're asking you, how do I do this? Like Night Force is another one. Night Force with the zero stop inside the turret. People don't understand that and that scares them. So they don't want to go near the turret, especially when it has the locks and brakes and zero stops. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, But I, to me, that... That's when you say standards. I'm not thinking about like, well, how do I, you know, do the PRS barricade better? Because you're already talking about great shooters. Standards of, do you know how to zero your rifle? And people yeah. say, well, I came here to shoot, not not learn how to maintain my stuff. It's like, shit, you got to learn how to maintain your stuff. Like that, this precedes. Right, right. You know, working on sub MOA accuracy. If you don't know how to zero your rifle, like, we need to be able to do this. So, I, I you know, I... I don't, I don't, man, this might not, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I think this is appropriate. Uh, when we went to the guardian match, went to the guardian match, we competed. It's t- totally fun. There's like half the people there have never competed before. It's a festival atmosphere. Everybody has a great time at the end of day one shooter. One gets paired with last place. Shooter two gets paired with the next one up and, and so on and so forth. So it kind of zippers around. And then the next day you do a team match and I came in first so I was paired with last place. And when you think about a competition, when you think about the people at, at the other end, you know, there sometimes there's good reasons and sometimes there's not good reasons, but you, you just have no idea. Like, how could somebody um, not do this? Well, people aren't going to go to a competition if they don't know how to shoot. And, and, and so I could say right now, the guy that I was paired with who got last place, he could shoot well. He, he knew how to shoot well. He didn't like fully understand the competition format and and that showed in his day one performance. And I didn't I didn't know that 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 he could shoot on day two. But but here's what happened. We laid down on our first days. We talked. The language gap wasn't missing. Like there wasn't a huge language gap. He understood. It seemed like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. Um, but I was thinking in my mind, like we're having a conversation like maybe we've got first and second, but there's a reason that, that we got first and last. So we lay down on the first stage. I say, okay, I'm going to get, I'll get wind calls for you. You know, it was like, shoot, I, I'm going to make up a stage cause I don't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, five targets, different distances, you know, shoot them all. And then your partner shoots them all. Okay, cool. So I shot them all, got the wind holds, fed him the data. And then he shoots and missed them all. And, you know, I noticed that where the impacts were, 
likely dope wasn't some, something was wrong. Right. Um, and the next stage we switched rifles and he shot my rifle and I shot his rifle. And so we put the data down and he hits them all. Bang, 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 bang. And I shoot and I see, whoa, I was like three mils low. So I hold up and you could follow up on this stage. It was like two, 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 two. And he hit them all. It was like, okay, sick. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, all right, I'm going to clean this too. And then I shoot and I see my impact. It's like two mils low or something. And like a mil left. I make a correction impact. Like that was weird. So the next target, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to add two mils and I'm going to add a little bit of, of windage. And it was really close to the target. And then I came up. And so then I was like, fuck, okay, like we don't have good data and the zero's off or the dope's off. But we got some points because I was able to follow up, but I realized something's wrong either with the rifle or with the dope that we're using. So the next stage is, you know, we asked if it was okay. And I said, hey, can we just use my rifle? And after that, he never missed a shot. So he could shoot great. With equipment that worked perfect and understanding of dope, where was the gap? I don't know, right? We, we never had the chance to like really fill in the gap to find that disconnect. Had he shot day one with my rifle and dope, he'd have done great. I mean, yeah. we, we, you know, we just, we shot amazing. Had we had a procedure for checking standards and going into that, we would have been able to satisfy that. But, 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 but like, you know, plenty of people show up not understanding. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Like, I'll get dope. The dope's great. Or I put in the Kestrel because I, you know, put in the velocity that's listed on the box and the G, you know, whatever. And, um, or, or I got a BDC reticle. And so, you know, I zeroed it. And for some reason, the BDC is not lining up, and you're like, okay, well, that's a BDC for a 308, and you're shooting, you know, uh, yeah, six you know, five. You know, well, and we've and, getting that a lot like, lately. Um, but yeah, absolutely. There's always these variations that people don't don't realize, and, yeah. and they take for granted. There, were, I was going to make one point, and and I kind of spaced it, uh, staring at the screen, looking at myself or something. I woo, but uh, yeah, the, the, there. It's we take a lot of it for granted and we see people on their very first day. And like I said, you know, we have a 12 person class with Mark and I a third when we yank everybody's scopes, a third of the scopes are canted in the rings. And normally it's minor, but noticeable. It's they were tightening the rings down. It pulled the scope over a little bit. They didn't. They they just assumed it was good. And then they'll roll themselves over to make it look straight, you know, so we see that. And like somebody had said in the in the chats here, it's, you know, you assume somebody knows how to zero. They really don't. And people will absolutely buy stuff and then attempt to jump in with both feet. And I think we've done a really poor job of explaining what's expected and what you'll do to go to the matches now. Like I said, when Jacob and I used to do it, we had train-ups available. Now, not so many places have the train-ups because it sort of goes against the PRSE rules. They don't want people to get that unfair advantage by practicing on the range the day before. So you don't see a lot of venues offer new people 
that path to understand what's expected of them. You know, like Chris is saying, you could send some, I mean, how many, we see people come in our class. I mean, it's always the worst person. Like we'll meet on a Friday or Thursday night. We're going to have Friday, Saturday, Sunday class. So we do our meet and greets with like Mark in our class, right? And we're in the parking lot. It's Thursday night. And we have everybody from a 25-year-old to a 65-year-old. And we go around the room and we're around the circle and we're like, what's your goal for this class? What's your goal for this class? What's your goal for this class? The 65-year-old's going to say he wants to shoot PRS because he's home reading the computer more. That's what he sees. And it's like, dude, you are not the guy of this class to shoot PRS. No, I'm going to do it. I shoot well. My accuracy's good. He shoots from a bench. He hand loads. He shoots itty-bitty groups. Now we take him off the bench. We put him prone. He's uncomfortable. He doesn't shoot as well anymore because he's uncomfortable. Why'd you put me on the ground? I want to be on my bench. And you go from there. Now there's a little bit of struggle. And it just, it moves around the room till finally you go, okay, here's a PRS stage. I'm going to give you four targets, 90 seconds from here. I want you to shoot two targets from here and two targets from here. Ready, go. 68 seconds, his first shot goes off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a disconnect between what they see on the computer and what it looks like, you know, there. Chris and I were looking at uh, the shot timers now and the timings because the clock matters. We, we did, we took notes of everybody that did stages at the cameo class. And there's people who timed out, there's people who would hit every target, and there's people who got one shot off before the buzzer went. You know what I mean? So it's so wide. And people don't realize how much the majority of people out there don't know. They think the 300 people that are the the consistent, the vocal competitors on the internet i mean go look at the prs member forum there's less than 400 people active in there like the last time i paid any attention to it when everybody's like prs 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 there was 320 people but yeah but but again like i've said this a couple times those 300 people are, are very, very good shooters yes. and they know all the intricacies, but people don't understand that, right? And, yes. and I think what you're saying is is like, okay, I'm going to break it into two categories because I, I was going to say, you know, 90% of shootings, not actually the shooting because so many people can lay down and, and be like, look, you know, I, I printed a quarter inch, mm-hmm. group, quarter inch group, but you say, okay, great. You know, you could, you, you did that. Yes. I, you know, you, you did that. Absolutely. Right? And, and I know how to fuck you up. Right now get, you know, Go over there and shoot standing off your tripod in less than five minutes, and they can't do it. But but I could shoot a really good group on the bench here, and it's like, right, because there's more to it, right? Or you have people that, that need to learn the fundamentals of marksmanship because they shoot an eight-inch group, and they bring it down. But once you get past that threshold, now shooting's not so much shooting anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all the other skills, and they need we need standards for those because... I think we're we're super hyper focused on 
groups as a standard. Yes. Versus all of the skills that allow you to shoot a group consistently. You can put a guy on a bench with a bag, with hand loads, and he might be skillful in his hand loads, and he may, he may have been working on them for nine months. Mm-hmm. And he can print a pretty damn series of five-shot groups. Mm-hmm. He can't do nothing past that bench, that 100-yard shooting, beyond maybe a point-hit, point-hit. He doesn't understand the ballistics of it. He's chasing load development. Now, talk to that guy about reloading. He's probably going to go into a level of minutia that's going to roll my eyes in the back of my head, and I'm going to go, dude, none of that fucking matters. But that's what he uses to get that tiny little group at 100. You know, meanwhile, I'm like, all right, what's your 600-yard dope? Well, I don't, you know, eh, eh, eh. it's like 3-2. Yeah, I got a buddy. I'm not going to name him, but but uh, he's been on the podcast. He came out. We shoot, you know, we've done a lot of a lot of things together. Um, his wife isn't a shooter. Right? She's not a, not a shooter, but 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 they came out on a trip, and we were doing something else. But he's like, Let, let's go shoot for the day we'll, or, or a little bit. And this was a number of years ago. And I had a plate, and, and, and he's like, well, I want to shoot 1,000 yards. Because sometimes people are like, I want to shoot a thousand. So mm-hmm. we'd been shooting, and, and the only plate that we drove out in the grasslands and just put it down, and we drove away from it. And I was like, all right, we're at, we're at a thousand yards, and you know, he shot, and we had everything kind of figured out, and uh, whatever. But she didn't shoot and wasn't interested. But he's like, you know, you, you should try it. You should, you know, encourage, you know, whatever. And, and she's like, okay, whatever. But she had never shot a bolt gun before. So for about ten minutes. We went through like fundamentals, like and mm-hmm. natural point of aim, like connect to it, open your eyes, close your eyes, breathe, you know, and and okay, is it on there? And now she dry fired a bunch, like looking at the target, getting everything ready. But the wind was dialed, the elevation was dialed, and we just practiced fundamental, 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 right? And this target is about one MOA at a thousand yards. She practiced, 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 and you know we're trying not to get her to flinch, so she didn't know that he had slipped in around after she had been dry firing and closing her eyes and dry firing and closing her eyes. She closed her eyes and he, he put a round in and she shut the bolt. <sighs> Ding. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I thought this was going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, do you want to do again? She's like, no, I just, I just, I just did I just it. hit the target. Like, okay, whatever. Let's go get lunch. And, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, or the only shot she has ever taken from a bolt gun mm-hmm. hit a one MOA target at a thousand yards. Yeah, yeah. I think that that you know, and then and then you didn't do all the work and don't understand what you just did, and and you know you can show the fundamentals work, data works if you have it, and if you line all those up, it's likely that you're going to be able to hit a target. But to get to be self competent to be able to get yourself to that is much different. Right. It's like I can if, if, if I jump in your car mm-hmm. and I say, I want to drive 120 miles an hour. Well, you'd be like, all right, well, step on the gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and and, mm-hmm. and if and if the road is right and the bumpers are right. But but it's it's much different than being like and then I'd be like, oh, well, that's not hard yeah, to race a car. That gauge when it gets to 8000 shift. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? So it's much, but it's much different to be like, oh, shit. Well, then what's what's hard about car racing? Yeah, like, yeah, I exactly. Could, I could go fast if I step on the gas. Uh-huh. Like, well, OK. Yeah, it's known where to turn and when. Right. right. Exactly. Like, OK, there's so much more. And to get there 
it'd be cool to hash out those checks and boxes. I, I think it'd be fun. I, I think it would be really cool to be able to back up and say, like, you know, leave the elite folks to be elite. They don't care about everybody else, really. No, they don't. How do we fill in everybody else to 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 satisfy and have things to explore left and right while they're on their journey to figure out what they even want to do with their rifles and and what what does it mean to be able to take yourself forward towards these things and really fill in the gaps and you know because the last thing you want to do is go to a range have something wrong have to take your rifle to a gun shop to say what's wrong and they're like oh you didn't take your scope caps off or or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. You know, or yeah. like oh you bought you bought 223 ammo instead of 65 creepmore ammo like oh shit like that, you, you, that, that might sound weird, but but that's the kind of stuff that happens a lot. I mean, like, when we, you, you, the Alaska classes, when we were doing, like we do, we're doing like six now a season. We were doing 10. And all full, all 16 students and guns break. Um, Right? The, the, the guns go down well we had support help and we had a bench set up so that you didn't slow the class down you gotta go over there with jimmy d because he's gonna take your shit apart and fix and what's wrong with it because so many guns and this is where we were bagging on savages because the problem was is the savage like the bases were coming loose and the screws were out of spec and you'd have to go in and loctite a guy and retorque their their base because 40 rounds in and now their scope's loose and it's like fuck we got to go over there go over there with those guys and do it you you have to expect a certain amount of problems you have to expect to re-zero you have to defeat your zero stop and go below it because what happens is guys were home they set their zero stop with the manual right in front of them they came to a class, left all their paperwork home in the box. Then you tell them, okay, you got to re-zero. You got to go below your zero stop. How do I do that? Because they don't understand the zero stop without the paperwork in front of them. So, so now you're you're taking that extra five minutes to loosen a zero stop, defeat it, retighten it, move it in, then re-zeroing the guy, and then coming back and shifting a zero and showing them, listen, when I do a zero stop, especially like a night force zero stop, love them, right? Because I can set it. I want to be a minute below zero or I want to be four clicks below zero for a little safety, right? So I don't have to constantly defeat it if I don't want to. But you almost always need a minute to a minute and a half or two to three tenths down when you're playing around with new ammo or something or suppressors or whatever the case may be. So, um, oh my God, these guys, dude, do you guys not know I'm fucking live? They're, they're, the, the, the guys from them, who did this? Who did that? They're texting me about this live while I'm live. Stop texting me while I'm live. <laughs> fucking awesome. idiots. <laughs> but I do think, I think yeah. that's fun. And I, 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 you know, some people would be embarrassed or whatever. And I, I really love like the idea of, um, learning, easier things that you don't know than always trying to find that one thing that's like out of reach, but you can kind of pull it off every once in a while. Um, you know, with climbing, it's like that there's hard routes that are rated really hard. And some people love to like find the hardest thing that they can do 
but but a lot of times there's easier things that they still can't do but they're they're too good for that they won't do those because they're rated easier but the, you know so 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 like you know getting out of your own way and like well think about um we went to a local match and we decided we we're going to take gas guns to this precision rifle you know long range and 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 so i brought my gas gun and i had i was i was excited to try out this new new night force brand new night force put it on zeroed it but i didn't i didn't tighten the turrets enough and we got to a stage like it was it had been shooting great and then all of a sudden i went to change my dope and instead of click 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 i felt it just go mush, 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 mush. and and then i'm like but it was it went, we went from shooting like you know 3 400 yards to to you know starting at 1000 and then going to 1500 so i went to go dial a lot because it was 223 and i i started spinning it and it was like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. i thought oh shit right i mean all of a sudden, you, you, there's just no accountability for your runs because I had no idea what was going on. So, so, but knowing, okay, got to get some fix it sticks, got to tighten it down, got to figure out where this mm-hmm. where the bullet is, mm-hmm. and then you know while people moved on, there was a target that not being used for the competition, shooting out at it, getting a range, and saying, okay, that's 584 yards, and then seeing where my impact was, putting it on the right. Zero, zero in the turret yeah, to the yeah. right dope for that target and being like, okay, now we can continue the match yep. because we just re-zeroed it on a targeted distance and now my my dope was good for the rest of the match. But that, you, know, you, you blow a stage, but then you know, okay, I know how to fix this instead of being like, well, I'm going to go home. Yeah, yeah. And and I had that moment of, or that guy, Ryan, Ryan was there, you know, I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm just done for the match. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to be done for a match. I just... I got, you know, zero on a stage, but that's not the match. And then we fixed it and then we went back and shot and it was, it was totally awesome and it was totally fun. But knowing like, oh, I, this is something I can fix in the field and knowing how to fix your zero of your turret slips. And, you know, those are things that I think people should know. And that's the knowledge, right? And that's, I think the missing element is that we take for granted. People know this basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we all kind of leapfrog it. We leapfrog rifle setup. You know what I mean? We just assume. But like one of the tests that Mark does, well, we pull every scope. We mention this all the time. We talk about it all the time. You come to my class. The, when we go out to the range before we hunt at yard zero, we pull every scope to look at it and put it on our tool. Well, one of the things Mark will do is because that because he's the guy there for that. Well, he'll have that 65-year-old guy. He'll have that that dude, and 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 he'll go. Can you see that reticle? Because we're about the same age, and I know you can't see that reticle. Well, why can't they see the reticle? Because the box or the scope is shipped in the box with the ocular buried for transport. He never takes it out and adjusts it. So how it came out of the box is how they do it, and then you gotta go. Whoop, with the ocular. Can you see that reticle now? Oh, yeah, I can. It's like, well, what were you shooting? Because <laughs> it was not there. <laughs> there was no reticle. Yeah. But, yeah, so you know what I mean? You can't assume these people know these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we don't run into them very often until until we do. But if you go to things that you don't normally go to, you run into people that have rifles that, that well, aren't quite... And, 
operational. Way. That's what these guys don't understand. Like when they'll do a thing with me, um, um, you know, they'll, they'll be like, Frank's irrelevant when matches or Frank doesn't know this or Frank doesn't do that. Or I, you know, I, a matter of fact, a comp, a girl who, a comp girl called me this morning, they had a little issue. And so she messaged me. And, oh, have you been shooting? Have you been doing this and doing that? I'm like, no, if I do shoot matches locally, I use a fake name and I've shot Guardians. And and it, it's like, oh, we haven't seen you. And it's like, yeah, I'm not at the comp. And she's like, oh, I love the comps. I love the social aspect. She's talking with Laura and all that because they know each other from back east. These are back east people. And, and it, it's like they love that aspect. But then I see day one people. I see brand new guys like you're saying that are showing up with the brand new scope. I mean, they'll come and 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 I have no problem with it. You can absolutely show up to my class and tell me, I just bought this. I didn't even mount my scope. If you did that, I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? So you can't assume these people know these things. And I'm seeing that guy that walked out of a big box store with a rifle under his arm. And it's the first time he ever heard the name of that product. Mm-hmm. You know, I never heard of a Tika, but the guy said to get it. Yeah, okay. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm seeing those level of people. I'm not seeing the hunter people who are using, you know, Southeast matches like a golf weekend. You know, they can go to three different matches in a three hour drive in four states. You know what I mean? And we can't. We have to drive if we want something beyond our uh, green, you know, beyond uh, Pawnee. So that's the difference. It's like you're seeing the same people who have a certain level of proficiency. I'm seeing everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it's the missing piece of the puzzle with certain disconnects between what I'm saying and what the comp people are telling in in response to me it, it's like yeah but that's i'm not talking to you you you're you're a a a, cons, a, a constant 25th place guy mm-hmm. you're well beyond the person i'm speaking to unless we're talking about shaving a second here or a second there off of something you or know. you take them out of that that niche because like CD does that a lot, right? You have rifle shooters that come and they have pistol stages, and you figure out really, right, really quickly, are they well-rounded shooters or not? Mm-hmm. Because they can't shoot a pistol, or they say, okay, you got to swap guns with your partner, and now you got to shoot carbine for a little bit, and they can't do that. Or, or, or um, at the Sniper Adventure Challenge one year, there was a disassembled AK, and you had three minutes to put it together and hit this target. And it's like shit. If you couldn't put together AK, you weren't going to get any points. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, so like, but. You know, it sounds like older competitions took advantage of the, the, the this kind of concept more than maybe they do now. But but think about how, because you might be thinking, because I know I would be thinking if I was listening to this, yeah, that's fine and good, but this doesn't apply to me because, you know, I'm better than all that. Or, or you know, something along that line. You know, I mean, I'm trying to be succinct about how, how I would feel. Like, okay, cool, but they're not talking to me. But think about this. If you build out a base and expand upward off of that base, it identifies clear paths that you could have high-level competition stages based on those standards, like 
a slip turret re-zero in the fewest yeah. number of shots. I mean, that's typical. Um, you know, things that would be practical. If you were a hunter and something happened and you were in the field, that would cause you to either go home or fix it in the field very quickly and simply, or a stress thing. Like, you know, we, it's, yeah, it's stressful to say, locate range and engage a target in four minutes, or it's stressful to say, shoot 12 targets in 90 seconds. But there are other levels of stress, like, like, like the biathletes, like, okay, mm-hmm. shoot these five plates with your heart rate at 180 uh, offhand. Like, yeah, that's stressful too. There's a lot of different types of stress that aren't capitalized because we haven't hashed out this base fully enough to actualize those branches. But when you go places like, um, well, your courses have a lot of interesting diagnostics. And if you go to rifles only, Jacob being based in fundamentals and having his own set of standards has stages that you wouldn't normally run into because they're thinking about building up off of all of these things that you could run into yeah, it's a vertical pipe kind of, yeah. and and so the yes, exactly. So with, with in Jacob because his classes are longer, he's a six day PR one and two combo. Um, I don't know if he's modified. I think it's a five now, but it was six day when I was there. So you always built off the first drill to the next drill to the next drill, and then at the end, our Saturday was a round robin all the way around the block. Oh, that was weird. So it did. Uh, I got, had to drop. Did huh. it stop? Yeah, there was a quick drop, but that might have been just something else. I heard her. She's alive too, but yeah, it, it, that was a weird one. It, we had a quick drop. Yeah, that was a quick drop. But I, I like mm-hmm. that because then, yeah. then you're not just simply saying like, okay, well, you know, we got a 90 second stage and one and a half MOA targets, and you just got to shoot fast, and move fast. But it's like, okay, well, but shooting fast and moving fast. That is one skill, but it, mm-hmm. but, it, but it, it's it's not all of the skills, right? Or or you say like here's a troop line of pretty you know bigger targets, two them away, but you got to be able to carry the wind. Okay, well carrying the wind is a standard at a high level. Shooting small targets fast is a standard at a high level, but those are two small things that that build off of kind of a similar pipeline. But there are other things like okay, cardiovascular stress, um, psychological stress, time stress, uh, you, you, you know. Um, the, the problem-solving aspects that lead somebody to be capable of shooting in the first place are fundamental because you can prove that somebody could sit down on a bench and shoot very small groups but be completely useless with that system out of that context. And then you have people that are highly effective across the board but can't reproduce groups that are that small, but they can keep the parameters such that their performance stays good. Like if, you know, if you're shooting... Let's just say, you know, if you're, if let, let's say you go to a competition and all the targets are two MOA, then technically somebody that can always shoot one MOA is, and they could read the wind well, they're not going to, they could not drop shot. Shit, shit. If you're good at reading the wind, let's say you could read the wind like, you know, some stupid standard, like to one or mi- one mile an hour, two miles an hour, and the, all the targets were two MOA and, and you shot an inch and a quarter group. You could technically hit all the targets at a competition, mm-hmm. and and that inch and a quarter group, people would laugh at and say, "Look, I just shot these quarter inch groups. You know, I'm going to be so much better than them." But then if they can't read the wind, yeah, they're four mile an hour wind guy. Yeah, they're they're going to miss targets more than the one MOA shooter. So so like, well, what about all those skills? But 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 I think it's so easy to fall back into, you know, it's it 
oh, I, I could just pull the trigger really good and just print a small group. It's like, man, that's not really shooting. Like, in any practical context. Right, what, right. What's, what's interesting is knowing what to do and how to handle it. And, and if we have a list of standards that then those pipes come up off of, all of the stage design could be reassessed to, to um, capitalize on those different elements. And, and I think that, that that's and pretty cool. One, because we hit the hour just now, and I want to just say really quick, I'm not going to kill this because we're still going, but we're looking at writing and putting this pen to paper. So we're talking about this stuff and we're kind of flushing it out. We're bouncing ideas off you guys. And we're already working to put this plans in motion so we can present those standards or what we consider practical standards for today's world, right? Because it changes. Uh, 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 Ten years ago, that standard was different. Today, the standard has changed. So what's a good, and, and I think, to be honest with you, looking at the calibers we're running today, looking at the accuracy we're getting out of those calibers, and the way we're moving, I think a standard written today would carry longer than a standard written 12 years ago would have. I think the standard 12 years ago would have fell off very quickly Today, I think this creating a standard based on what we're seeing now is going to sustain a lot longer. I, I feel we've reached a plateau right now. And the only peaks we're seeing in that plateau, like the only chunky parts that are sticking up, are in the hunting caliber worlds with like the seven mils. You know, the PRC and that and people trying to rejigger the hunting rifle world is has movement. But our world has basically leveled off and fixed. You know, there's 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 debate on maybe this chassis versus that chassis, how much weight versus, you know, balance. But the calibers in the velocities have sort of leveled out. And we're not playing with that as we were when we were deciding six, five, six mil, 308 still playing in there. You know, we know where the six mils are versus those other calibers. We know if you get that velocity in that Goldilocks zone, your recoil is going to be down, your bullet's still going to perform, and your accuracy is going to be top-notch without a lot of work, right? Versus trying to do that same thing with a 308 you're not going to be able to get those same results. So I really do think we can create a standard today that's, I don't want to say flexible, but is maybe universal is a way to put it. And that will translate more than an old school prone qual ever would have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because basically, if you take a bench rest or a prone qual of group size, that standard moves, and it's it's we you know are you a bench rest? Are you this? Are you that? What it what do you? That's group size, right? But if we look at it and and create the standard that's an across the course, that's in line with our accuracy today, in the calibers we're shooting. I think that standard will maintain longer and be more valuable to someone than the previous group size. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I mean, technology, information, data is is has come so much farther that that I think it it makes it more possible. But at some point, right? You know, if if you could make a rifle that you know you could advertise as a quarter inch guaranteed, I, it wouldn't. I don't think it would improve people shooting all that much if they're a four inch shooter. You know, they're a four inch shooter because they don't have the fundamentals to to be consistent. But equipment now is so good that that most of the time you could say like this isn't your equipment this is you let's figure it or yeah. it's your equipment because you didn't know how to put it together and so um you know how do we how do we you know or, or you think about like well a lot of standards came out of, of military you hear people saying like okay well you know the m4s that i qualified with you know like they they had to be four inches or better and you think four inches like shit you would have to be prone and shoot with pretty good fundamentals just to be able to hit some of these targets if your gun shoots like a shotgun to begin with. Mm-hmm. But but we're not shooting guns that come out of the box four inches. No, not anymore. I mean, box a, like, a bad one's going to be two, and you're going to know that's bad. Mm-hmm. And really, if you're not going out and getting something that's five-eighths, three-quarters out of the box, then you chose poorly. <laughs> right, you right. Know, there's something wrong. Right, there's, something there's wrong. really something wrong if you're gone out of the box with factory ammo at 100 yards, it is not three-quarter or less. You know, that's pretty standard right now. Now, you go out farther, the SDs will start to come in, you know, and those things will, will start to play. So, yeah, at 800 yards in, you know, a box of Hornaday with an SD of fucking 28, you're not going to shoot an 8-inch group with it. You know, you might be lucky to pull off a 10 or 12, but at a hunter, you won't notice that because the SD is not bothering you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Yeah. So, so now I, I agree. Like there's, there's so much accessible that you can isolate where things are coming from really well. And I think then you can establish these baselines. Like you could say, here's the standard. Like you need a gun that shoots minimum two inches. Or, or you need an SD. But I I almost think we need to reduce it to like three out of five on a, on a one MOA plate, you know, and, and not and get away from MOA size. I mean, MOA size is great, but that should be the sharpshooter's discussion, not the marksman's discussion. The marksman needs to be three out of five on a 45% IPSC, you know, three out of five on a 66% IPSC. Three out of five on a full size Ipsic, you know, at a thousand yards. That kind of standard, I think, is where we need to go in the first bucket. The second bucket, you can start talking, don't drop a point, now tighten your group. And then the third bucket becomes almost, you know, religiously about that, but then moves into the SD bucket, right? You know what I mean? So you're the, you're the marksman. You need three out of five hits, in, you know, in 90 seconds. You're the sharpshooter. You, you, need, you need all the hits in, you know, 70 seconds. And by the way, your group could be two MOA smaller. Mm-hmm. Now, you're the expert. Now you start looking at, well, Dewey, your your load is SD is 12. You need to get that to 5. 
you know, oh, you're 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 hitting uh this and this. Well, you're typically four tenths off center with your wind calls. You need to tighten that up. So now how I talk to you is completely different than how I talk to the other guy. And that seems to be a missing element to this is I can't talk to day one guy the way I'm talking to the expert. And, and people want to automatically jump to expert terminology with people. And you find out you can't go to expert terminology. You have to put everybody. And that's why I, I'm, it, it brings us all back full circle is that we're not. Uh, we're not separating each other in that way, which we should. There should be I should be able to look at you at a match and go, those are the marksmen over there. Okay, what can we do to help that guy? Well, those are the sharpshooters over there. Yeah, they're the dickheads. They think they're all this and that. Well, there's the experts over there. I want to watch what they're doing. What wind calls are they making? You know what I mean? So there, there needs to be something up front that says, what's your baseline? Where do you fall within the community, A, B, or C? And then that's going to determine how we talk to you and what your standard is going to be. Mm-hmm. You're right. You, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm saying, guys? And there's different combinations that can satisfy the requirements of hitting a target, right? Like, like yeah. we're saying, like, if you can shoot a quarter inch, but you read the wind of four miles an hour, there's a distance where your hit percentage is going to be identical to somebody that shoots an inch and a half, but reads wind to one mile an hour. Like, there's going to be a distance where one has an advantage and the other doesn't, but there's also going to be a distance where they're equally the same. And if we're shooting at a distance and, and I know this shooter can shoot a half inch all day, but they're missing a target. Well, it's got, it can't be they're shooting, right? It's got to be wind. It's got to be SD. It's got to be some, something other than, can you shoot a small group? But if somebody's missing and you look and they shoot like a four inch craft num, you know, four inch craft group and they're shooting at a two away target, you'd and expect them to miss sometimes. I want to, so question come up in the chat box here. So the question comes up about guys sandbagging and that's a culture and community thing. When you have the PRS created a culture that cheating is trying and that if you can get away with it and not get caught, you are okay. If you know that guy's sandbagging and he plays it in this match and then he tries to do it in this match, fuck that guy. That should be the community stepping up and doing that. Sandbagging shouldn't be something that's expected. It should be something that's shunned. It's just like the ND culture. You had people NDing, NDing, NDing. They changed the rules to say an ND only counts if you miss the berm. Well, that's a culture of negative, you know, that's a negative culture. That's something teaching that community bad habits. That's within the community to fix that. If I see you're sandbagging, I'm going to call you out. And then you know what? If you're going to do it again, you're not going to be invited back. Nah, we don't want you to play this game no more because you're always playing games with it. But sandbagging, I mean, if, 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 if you're creating a system that's recording information and then you sandbag it, well, then that's almost going to be a highlight. He always does his standard low and then his match high. 
that's going to become obvious within two to three matches right off there. And and then you can always create a penalty system for that. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's obvious. It's not like you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I, 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 yeah, I love the idea of setting this baseline and then building up off of it and setting criteria for growth. I mean. And- Right. You know, yeah, the, the 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 series, these guys paid from day one that they paid the series to keep their score. What did they ever do with your score? Nothing. They just put it in a spreadsheet comparing it to the other guy. Your score was never used for advance. Now, they ended up taking marketing information from you what gun you're shooting, what products you use, because then they give that back to, you know, what the pros use. That became a, a, a another a cottage industry, right? What the pros use promoted the website and all that information, and now that's selling products. Hey, look, Team Gap uses Bushnell, and so Bushnell scores are going to be higher, you know, in in that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. You lost me there for a second. I thought, what, what? But so, so what you're basically saying is that with this baseline idea and ranking and stuff like that, if a league had scores, those scores don't give you any real information. But you could, if you had standards and numbers that go along with it, you say, oh, they've got a 400, whatever, and 400 means. You know, they can read the wind to three miles yeah. an hour. They can shoot less than an MOA positionally. They can, um, you know, build and break positions in under 15 now seconds. The, now your score has value beyond the match. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? So if we're looking, I mean, we have the computers, we have the practice score, we have all of these things. And a lot of that practice score was designed around handgun. So there can be a time element to it. I like that, like almost like a serial number or a barcode or a social security number where parts of it indicate different elements. Yeah. And, and so you can say, oh, you, you're a you're a super duper black belt in prone 600 yards shooting because there's Bentress guys that shoot. Well, you, yards, you can right? say, like, well, you know, hey, what's your what's your PRS score? Oh, I'm a 6883. Oh, you're a, you're a class B guy. Because he's an 83. Right. But you then know? On, on silhouettes or on, yeah. on NRL Hunter, they, they might have no ranking. And they say, okay, well, like, good, you've got gaps there. Or mm-hmm. you don't care about those gaps, which doesn't matter. But but you know it when you present that, you know, whatever that says, oh, you've never done those. You're super good at this. That makes sense because you've specialized. But but Jack of all trades could say, like, well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm filling in the left and right limits. Right. Well, even that, that, like that, that last side could be your classification. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like 85, a score between a hundred and so on, Mm -hmm. 85 and up 85 to a hundred is an A class. And if somebody said to me, you know, I'm a 460, 83. Hey dude, you're almost a class. Mm -hmm. I know who you are already. And I can talk to you in that way. And, and so now I understand so much more about you as a shooter based on your score from these series. But these series, the score is meaningless right now. It doesn't tell you anything because... Well, gu- it, it gives you a yardstick to say, 
at this. Yeah, but I mean, right now you can have a guy shot three matches and a guy who shot five matches and have the same number. Sure, sure, totally. Yeah, I mean, right, right. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't tell you much about the shooting. It tells you they're either they're either it or good not. or they're rich. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, right. And right. so that's kind of what I'm getting at is right. is that kind of information, you know? And yeah. so there's so many things we're doing where it's information rich, but we're leaving it on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it, for sure, yeah, for sure, and that could be massively utilized by every discipline um because there's overlap like a, a f-class shooter they need to shoot prone well and they need to read wind well and reading wind applies to other things so you would expect like eric cortina to be a high wind reader right scorer, right and and and, and, and but, but maybe not silhouette shooting but 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 that part yeah his positional like, may be bad because he's right. an f-class guy right he's used to a thousand dollar bench rest fucking rig mm-hmm. with a four hundred dollar rear bag Mm-hmm. And he's micro-adjusting from seven positions. Get him off his belly, he may struggle a little bit in the beginning or until he gets himself caught up. Right, right. But 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 if you were like, man, I want to learn wind, and you look and you're like, Eric, he's who I want to go yeah, to. Yeah, Eric's the guy. So, so, but you would know that from from those. Or like somebody that wins the Sniper Adventure Challenge. You, know, you might not be like, well, I don't want to go to them to learn how to compete in PRS because but but they're fit so if i have like fitness questions mm-hmm. you know they yeah. can walk around yeah, for a couple guy, days yeah that guy that guy ran a, a a 28 hour race right. in 25 hours you know what i mean <laughs> right, i want right, right. that guy right right but, but 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 they tell you different things and it's all in that spectrum or somebody that that hunted like oh th- this guy has all the goats from all the continents mm-hmm. like oh okay well maybe you know or or they win NRL hunters like maybe i want to talk to them about um binoculars or range finders or but, but but that information you would know right away if it was hashed out in in more detail but it would it would have to be an entity separate from the leagues because the leagues are invested in their niche but it would have you'd have to be a way to you'd have to have a way to test it and extra, I mean that that's kind of like what what the craft kind of started which was a standard and a way to measure like how are your fundamental consistencies and it doesn't say whether you have a good gun or good fundamentals it kind of gives you like well you know you're here whatever it is yeah you, you know, are you here three inches right yeah, so you, uh, you know if you want to shoot better than two in three inches means something for a goal and 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 so that's a standard baseline of saying like okay cool and then we added with the unconventional skill assessment the 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 usa stuff is is like okay What's your build and break time? Can you deploy your tripod? Can you locate a target? Can you transition these and, and starting to hash all of those things out? But those are based on baselines that we've measured and seen where people fall apart separate from any specific niche. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Everyday Sniper guys, I'm going to log off for you guys. The live is still going on. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. So you can follow up more of this in the live for the Everyday Sniper guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Hope you guys like we've been coming back and giving you guys uh, more and more and more. And we're going to keep doing that. So thanks a lot, Everyday Sniper guys. Wow!